Hi, welcome to Wicked Yankee Adventures. I'm your host, uh, co-host for today, Bucky Lewis, with my famous special assistant, Tara. Tara Duffy. Duffy. Yep. Uh, and we have a special guest today, Tom Eastman. Tom is a historian for the North Country of New Hampshire. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the Grand Hotels and, and the beautiful stories that I remember as a kid talking about. So, Tom, we're glad to have you here today. Well, it's always great to see you both. And how's that Boston Whaler, Tara? Oh, my gosh. I have never had so much fun on the ocean. We just got the Boston Whaler, a 16-foot Dauntless. It's very different than being up in the lakes region on a pontoon boat. <laughs> so we are uh, catching a lot of air on that Boston Whaler. It's fantastic. Great. Tom, I, I'm going to uh, preface this by saying when I was a kid, I was in a group called the Cousins, and we traveled all over the place. It's sort of like the Osmond family or the Cowsills. And we traveled, uh, we were lucky enough to play in all of these beautiful grand hotels in New Hampshire. A lot of people don't know that there were a lot of them back then. Uh, still, Mount Washington Hotel comes to mind, right? But the Crawford House, the Sunset Hill House, can you talk about some of your favorite stories about this stuff? Yeah, I'd be glad to. And it's it's kind of like having ghost eyes when you drive around the White Mountains and you um, you see what used to be there versus what's there now. And uh, we are lucky that we still have the Omni Mount Washington, the Grand <laughs> Hotel built in 1902 uh, at Bretton Woods. And of course, the ski area and the golf course and uh, the zip line and everything, the canopy line that they have there. But um, I, I try to imagine those people in 1902 going for a canopy tour over the Mount Washington. I mean, over uh, Bretton Woods. But we had uh, from 1880 to 1910, it's called the golden era of the White Mountain Hotels. And it was part and parcel uh, in collaboration with the coming of the railroads, which were able to bring the people in uh, my mentor, Dick Hamilton, who's a total White Mountain history expert. One of the first uh, stories I wrote was on the Grand Hotels with his help back in 1979. But uh, what he says is that the railroads um, brought the lumber out and the tourists in. And uh, so after they logged the railroads, uh, log the logging railroads to the White Mountains, get the timber out of the North Country, and then the Grand Hotels were uh, 1880 to 1910 for the, the height of it. And there were close to uh, 30 hotels. And now we have wow. five of them left. The Eagle Mountain House in Jackson, the Wentworth uh, Hotel, a country inn in Jackson. Uh, you have the um, Balsams that Les, Les Otten is trying to bring back. And, um, and the Mountain View Grand along with the Mount Washington. So it was really uh, an incredibly gilded era where the uh, wealthy and elite from um, New York and uh, Philadelphia and Boston, you try to picture what the cities would have been like uh, with horses and the streets, not a good place to be in the city back in those days in the summer. So they would uh, get on their railroad cars and some of them their own private railroad cars and come up here for the summer. Um, and people often ask, well, what happened to them? A lot of them burned down. They were, you know, stick built. Um, 
a lot of them also just uh, uh, my friend Carl Lindblade always talks about uh, you ended up uh, you know how many bats in the belfry because once automobiles came it changed the way that people uh, vacationed they wanted to just stay a night not a whole summer so that led to people uh, not staying at the hotels the mode of travel changed then uh, they had to reduce their rates because they weren't uh, attracting the people so it became a downward spiral but um, in 1944 what gave the Mount Washington Hotel a, a breath of air, uh, a new life, was the Economic Monetary Conference happened in July 1944. The government boosted all that money into the Mount Washington to host uh, countries from around the world to set the post-World War II um, gold standard. And uh, so that gave life to the Mount Washington. That's a big part of uh, uh, why it was available for owners to fix it up and we still get to enjoy it today. So who was responsible for making that decision? I mean, we, everybody hears about the Bretton Woods Accord, right? So it's a big deal. Who, who made that decision? To, to have the to have To host the economic summit there. Well, that was, uh, it was, uh, they were jockeying for it and uh, Bretton Woods was selected because of its remoteness and uh, the senator for New Hampshire was a Republican and uh, Roosevelt needed a favor. And uh, that's what I understand from Carl is that they, uh, there was a bit of a, hard to believe that there was a lot of political jockeying, but Carl's <laughs> some, got some great stories about it. And Pitcher, according to Carl, uh, there were spies. Can you imagine spies in the North Country? But um, intriguing. Uh, yes. Anyway, he has a lot of great stories that um, that word word got out to the Germans about what was going on at the hotel, and that could have only happened um, through spies uh, feeding information back to Germany. So, but these hotels. Um, you know, they had their own orchestras. They had their own baseball teams that played against each other. It, it was opulence in the White Mountains. And um, one thing that Dick Hamilton told me is that if you go to the Mount Washington Hotel today or the Eagle Mountain House, they have the great verandas, the porch. Well, if you go there today, the uh, wicker chairs are put up against the build, uh, I, I mean, up against the railing so you can see the view of the mountains. Back in those days, uh, they would put it against the building because what you would do after dinner is you would go out on the veranda and watch all the elite promenade in their hall, you know, their summer best. And uh, you just, uh, you checked everybody out. And um, another great story that Dick Hamilton told me, <clears throat> if you go to the Mount Washington Hotel, it's the dining room, which is beautiful, it's gorgeous is octagonally shaped. Why is that? According to Dick, if you came for the whole summer to be stuck in a corner every night, you know, at your seating, they, uh, who would want to do that? So instead, by being octagonally shaped, no one was stuck in a corner. So that's a great story. And um, it just, uh, the Mount Washington had its own printing press. They made up a water-powered printing press. I did a story on it back in 1980 uh, when it was still operating 
but they would print up the uh, menu every day. And, uh, you know, you look at these menus and it was uh, definitely, you, you could have been in Boston or New York on uh, the, the level of the uh, food. And the staff would come here for the summer and then they would go down to Florida for the winter or back to the cities and work. Um, so there was a whole economy. Um, Bucky, you and I were talking off camera, but yes, there were 54 trains a day pulling into the Crawford wow. House station. That just shows you how many people were up here. And um, the Crawford House um, was right there at the gateway to um, Crawford Notch. It's where the AMC's Highland Center is now. And the Highland Center very much sits on the same footprint of the Crawford House. And uh, it uh, its predecessor burned and was rebuilt but anyway, it's such a shame that we lost this uh, grand, like all of them. You know, there was the profile house that burned in 1923, uh, 14 buildings burned in a spectacular fire. That was at the base of the profile, the old man of the mountain, which we lost, of course, in 2003 when it fell down. I like to say that the person that kept the most secrets up in the North Country was the elevator operators in all these Ooh, places, yes. right? And yeah. and they and some of the places, some of the Grand Hotels still have elevator operators. Well, I I remember um, doing a story on the Mount Washington, and the then owner, after uh, after I, I I took a tour, he said I could go anywhere I wanted throughout the hotel, and I went up to the North Tower of the Mount Washington, and that's reputed to be the, you know, where the ghost of Princess Caroline um, hangs out. Um, and people have told me they've heard things. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce stayed up there at an event and they said all night long up and down the stairs, da, 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 they could hear things. So after I took my tour, he called me into his office and he, uh, uh, he said, I'd like to offer you a job. And I turned him down because I had seen this picture on the walls of the baseball team for the Mount Washington Hotel. And then the waiters of the Mount Washington Hotel. And then there was a croquet shot. And there was this one guy that I kind of looked like. And <laughs> it kind of haunted me. And I felt like this was the shining. You know, I was... Uh, you know, Jack Nicholson. Oh, you know, we, if I accepted <laughs> the job, we've been waiting for you, Mr. Eastman, all these years, you know, and I kind of, I love the hotel, but it kind of creeped me out. So um, I, I well, didn't accept the job. So Tom, know. part of the whole thing with Wicked Yankee Adventures is getting people to see these amazing buildings before something happens to them. And with the history, if people get in the car, say they're coming from New York, Pennsylvania, across the country because everybody's coming up to New Hampshire to see the beauty. What are some of the things that they can experience if they go up to these hotels? I mean, do they still have sleigh rides? Do they still have these grand activities? Do they have teas? Can they experience some of the grand lifestyle even still now? I think you could at the uh, Mount Washington, at the Omni Mount Washington. They have uh, revamped it. It's, uh, they just added on a whole new annex They've got a spa there now. So it may not be the way it was in 1902 when it was built, but um, 
you can expect, um, you know, to be pampered at the Omni Mount Washington. And uh, I'm happy to say I have been fortunate enough to stay there a few times um, when they've had events going on. But the spa alone would be worth going to the Omni Mount Washington. The um, Eagle has a nice nine hole golf course. Um, and the Wombat, I'm not the Wombat, that's gone. The, uh, the Mountain View Grand has a beautiful spa and a tower uh, that you can go up as a um, hot tub up in the, the big yellow tower. Um, and they revamped that, oh, about 20 years ago. And of course, uh, Les Sauten is hoping to develop the ski area as well as all of the, um, the balsams and to bring it back. He wants to make it into a world-class resort. But as for now, you can go to the Eagle. Uh, the Wentworth does a beautiful job with dining and you get the sense of the elegance. Um, and uh, the Mountain View Grand. And of course, you know, a similar, if you're downstate, the Wentworth by the Sea is not one of the grand hotels of the White Mountains, but it certainly is a grand hotel. And, um, you know, um, to have that uh, on the seacoast gives you the same sense of these grand hotels that um, the Mount Washington uh, was built by uh, Colonel, uh, by Joseph Stickney who was a coal magnet in Pittsburgh. And he died the year after it was, it was built. And his wife, Lady Caroline, uh, she took it over. And then she married a, a prince that got uh, killed at the Battle of Verdun in World War One. So she was unlucky in love. But the only thing that you can see that has Stickney's name now is the chapel out on Route 302, the stone chapel and Stickney's dining room downstairs. But um, certainly to just picture, um, you know, there was uh, a mountaintop newspaper, uh, Top Mount Washington among the clouds that they printed every day. And they would print, they would get the names of who was, the passengers were at the Marshfield base station, sent, you know, telegraphed up to the summit. So when the people got to the summit, paper would come out and people would have their names and it that they notoriety you know, so, <laughs> well it's i i gotta uh, i gotta uh, tom you you are such a wealth of information uh one thing that we have to mention is that all of these grand hotels have one thing in common which is a superb view all of them is breathtaking mountain view mount washington uh it goes on and on um so we have to continue this we're running out of time, so I'm going to. Uh, Tom's written any... quite quite a number of books. Well, uh, the funny about the region. Speaking of books, Tara. Yes. Um, just another Eastman. Uh, friends have loaned this to me. It's S. C. Eastman's White Mountain Guide, 1832. Oh. And, uh, Is that a relative? So, so there's, uh, well, we're all related 300 years ago, right? But um, oh my actually, goodness. my relatives did live in Concord for a bit. But it's uh, it's funny because, you know, you see the flume and Glen Ellis Falls. And no way. there's so much that, um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. I write for the Comedy Daily Sun. But um, I and my brother, my late brother, Steve, and I celebrated a lot of this in the Mountaineer newspaper. And um, 
we just came along at the right time to record this history. But like I said, it's re-recording this history because this is being, this has got the Willie slide. Um, oh I wanted gosh. to talk about that for a second. What was the first great moment in white mountain tourism? It's a sad one, but blood and gut still sells because it was the Willie slide that people can come up to Crawford Notch State Park on Route 302 and they can stand there at the side of the Willie slide of August 28, 1826. And a lot of people don't know that there was a zoo there too. Yeah, you, you were telling me that. And, uh, but uh, turns out uh, Tropical Storm Irene fell on the same day in 2011 as the uh, Willie slide and yeah. nine people got killed. Um, Sam, uh, Sam Willie and his wife and their five kids and two hired men. And uh, the cabin was left standing. They ran out of the house and he had, he had the earlier there had been a slide. And so he had built uh, a little uh, barrier above the, uh, uh, the house, but the house uh, stayed up and they got swept. They got caught in a mudslide and killed. And so, Everybody who came to the White Mountains had to go to the Willie Slide. So it was the first bit of tourism. And the other thing I left out about the story of the Grand Hotels that I should have put at the start here, the White Mountain um, School of Art played a key role in bringing people here before the railroads. And what happened is the artists started coming 1828 onward, and uh, they stayed at some of these early inns which then grew to be more of the Grand Hotels once more people learned about the White Mountains. But the paintings, some of them of such scenes as the Willie slide, uh, and we'll send you a, a painting of that, um, that led to the growth in tourism. And, uh, uh, but it just tells me that, you know, blood and guts is still sensational today and it's what People want had to see if you came to the White Mountains. So, well, you know, um, Tara and I did a story uh, this last summer on um, when we went to Robert Frost's place uh, in the the northern part of Franconia Notch, and what a beautiful right, Tara, what a beautiful view from his place up there. It, it is stunning, and we really encourage the listeners just to get up to the White Mountains. It is amazing, the waterfall. Like Tom says, it's a tale as old as time, the lure and draw of the magic of the White Mountains. Uh, it's been going on for centuries, thousands of years, actually. And uh, you've got to come up and experience the history, and, and the people are amazing. It, it, it's an amazing place to visit, and to see these grand old hotels the fact that people had their own personal railroad cars, they were so invested in coming up <clears throat> to this area. And, and Tom has written so much history about this area. He has great books. It's just, it's just an, a fantastic place for, for people to explore and they should just do it now while they can. There's no bad time to visit. We're going to have to continue this conversation. I appreciate you uh, coming on today and sharing great, so many great stories. You have so much. Let's see what Tom's holding up. What's, Tom, what's it you're holding up there? Um, he was talking about ancestors, <laughs> and I wanted to show the cover of the Mountaineer from on 2006. Bucky was on the cover uh, oh my goodness. as they were doing a, 
a celebration of uh, yucks and the muck and uh, Bucky was uh, oh, anyway, funny. I just had to hold that up. <laughs> and and I just back. want to interject. People can come up to the White Mountains and see these beautiful hotels. You do not have to stay at these hotels to explore them. You can go there. You could take a sleigh ride. You could go to tea. You could go to the spot or you could just go there and walk around and experience it. Clark's and train bears too. Right? You don't even have to stay there. You can just well, enjoy it. Well, and the Mount Washington hotel has on display the gold room and that's where the treaty was signed in 1944 setting the gold standard. And, um, and they also have photos up on the walls. Uh, my friend Craig Clemmer is the marketing director there and he's a good source for a lot of the history of the hotel, but Tom Eastman is the historian for the North Country. He writes for the North Conway Daily Sun every day, right? That's that's a lot of work. Well, Conway Daily Sun. Conway Daily Sun, sorry. <laughs> On behalf of Wicked Yankee Adventures, I want to thank my partner, Tara Hughes-Duffy, and my special guest, or our special guest, Tom Eastman. And we're going to be doing this more and more because you've got so much information. So on, from the shores of... Uh, Lake Guttapee here in New Hampshire. We have to go. Thank you.